We are in the book of Revelations uh, for our series, More Than Conquerors. And today we are going through Revelation chapter 3. And so we're looking at the second half of the letters to the seven churches. Jesus' letters to the seven churches acts like vision boards. And the idea of vision board is to display the things that you want to be or become, things that you want to bring to life. And the idea is for you to look at these vision boards each day to help motivate you to pursue those things on your vision board each day. Well, last Sunday, I showed that there is a common structure to the letters. Each letter starts with a vision of Jesus' character, then a statement of praise or rebuke, then there is a command, usually repent, and it ends with a promise of future victory. And so like a vision board, Jesus motivates the seven churches to tackle the issues of seduction and persecution with a vision of his own character and a promise of future victory. So instead of pasting images of personal success, inner happiness, or material things, the images that are on Jesus' visions board is Jesus' character and pictures of future victory in Christ to motivate the churches to remain faithful. So today in Revelation chapter 3, we are going to examine the letters to the church in Sardis, in Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And we'll use the letter structure to see how each message to each church acts like a vision board to motivate the churches to remain faithful to Jesus. So the first letter is to the church in Sardis. The letter starts with a vision of Jesus' character. Verse 1, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. The seven spirits refer to the Holy Spirit. The number seven in the Bible is symbolic of completeness, fullness, and perfection. And so Jesus holds the perfect Holy Spirit, meaning Jesus is the source and giver of the Holy Spirit. And the primary work of the Holy Spirit is to spiritually renew, to bring people from the deadness of sin into new spiritual life. And so the character of Jesus that Jesus wants to impress on the church inside us is Jesus as the giver of the Holy Spirit. And this does actually address a specific need inside us. Jesus says, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. The church in Sardis had a great reputation in the past of being spiritually alive, being zealous for God, but now they are spiritually dead. And so Jesus commands them to wake up and to repent and to hold fast to what they received and heard, which is the gospel. Repent and hold fast to the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's through the returning of the conviction of sin and a passion of the gospel of grace that the Holy Spirit will revive, bring back to life this church. And so the Holy Spirit will revive the church through a new conviction of sin and a new thankfulness and a gratefulness and joyfulness for God's grace in Jesus. 
If Sardis doesn't repent and be renewed by the gospel, then Jesus warns that he will come like a thief in the night. It's Jesus' way of saying God's judgment on Sardis will come as a surprise because they falsely think that they are alive, but in fact, they are spiritually dead. But if Sardis does obey, if they do repent, then Jesus promises this in verse 5. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out their name of that person of the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So through repentance and faithfulness, Sardis will be victorious. They will be dressed in white. They will be made completely perfect and holy through the Holy Spirit, through the perfecting work of the Holy Spirit, and their names will be in the book of life, meaning they will never face spiritual death ever again. They will live on with God. And so the vision board for the church in Sardis to motivate them to wake up and be renewed by the gospel is a vision of Jesus who is the giver of the Holy Spirit, the giver of new life. And so Sardis are to let Jesus as the giver of the Holy Spirit now and the future victory of having their names in the eternal book of life be for them the motivation to be alive for Christ. Well, this is a word for us today. The lesson from Sardis is this. We conquer through faithfulness, not through former faithfulness. We conquer through present faithfulness, not through the faith that we once had. Because some of us live on our former faith. We say, oh, how great it was to be a Christian back then. I was really on fire for Jesus back in the day. I had a really great Christian experience then, or I was really touched by God at that point in my life. And so if we let go of the steering wheel of our life, we can easily find ourselves turning out to be the kind of people who aren't presently faithful to Jesus, but we're merely living off the fumes of former faithfulness. Are you living off the fumes of your former faith, former passion, former love for God? Jesus says, then repent. Return to the gospel. Have a renewed conviction of sin and renewed thankfulness and joyfulness of God's grace in Jesus. May Jesus as a spirit giver now and the future victory of eternal life in God form you, shape you, change you to be awakened and be alive for Jesus. The next letter is to the church in Philadelphia. And the vision of Jesus' character given to Philadelphia is verse 7. These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the keys of David. The phrase hold the keys of David comes from Isaiah 22, verse 22. That verse says, I will place on his shoulder the key to the house of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. And this was a prophetic word about the Messiah. 
from the house of David, there will be an heir who will be Israel's Messiah, Israel's Savior, and this Messiah would hold the keys to the kingdom of God. Jesus has, as the Messiah, who has the authority to open and shut the gates of heaven. And the character of Jesus that Jesus wants to impress on the church in Philadelphia is that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the authoritative Savior King. And Philadelphia, like Smyrna, received praise and no rebuke. They have only little strength, but they have faithfully kept God's word. Like the church in Smyrna, they were being persecuted by the Jews. Jesus caused the Jewish synagogue the synagogue of Satan, not only because they were rejecting the truths of Jesus, but they were actively opposing and persecuting the church. The little strength of the Philadelphian church tempted them to feel insecure, insignificant. And so Jesus commands them to hold on, to hold on to what they have, to continue to hold on to the truth of the gospel. And if they do, Jesus promised them this in verse 12. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Jesus promised them victory by making them a pillar of God's temple. The church in Philadelphia felt weak, insignificant, fragile, but God promises them to make them strong as a pillar, an unshakable, unbreakable pillar of God's temple. No longer fragile, no longer insignificant. And this image of being a pillar was very significant to the local people in Philadelphia because it was a common practice in Philadelphia to dedicate a commemorative pillar in the temple to honor a local citizen. And it was a very common thing for people to leave Philadelphia to escape the common earthquakes that occurred frequently in Philadelphia. And so by making the church a pillar of God's temple, Jesus is promising both stability in God, strength and stability, but also honor an honor of God's temple rather than a pagan temple. And so the vision board for the church in Philadelphia is to motivate them to hold fast to the gospel, is the vision of Jesus as the authoritative Messiah who holds the keys to the kingdom of God, and Sardis are to let Jesus as the Messiah now and the future victory of being God's pillar in the future motivate them to hold fast to the faith. This is also a word for us today. How many of you today are feeling really weak right now? How many of you identify with being of little strength? How many of us feel like we're on the tether of perhaps flaking out? I know the temptation. It sounds like, look, I can't. I can't, Lord. I really can't. I know it feels like you can't, but that is the point. We will all meet the ends of our capacity, but at the ends of our capacity, it's at that point there you'll find God's strength. 
is at that point there you'll find God's hand of help. And if you allow God to help you in his strength, when you hold on to him fast, not on your own strength, then you won't flake out. There he will make you be a pillar of strength. So church, don't give up. May Jesus as the Messiah now and the future victory of being made as a pillar of God's temple form you, shape you, change you to hold fast onto Jesus. We conquer through faithfulness, not former faith, not by flaking out. And thirdly, the letter to the church in Laodicea, the vision of Jesus' character given to Laodicea is verse 14. These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. Here Jesus describes, is described as the faithful true witness. Jesus died as the faithful witness to the truth to, of God's will. The character of Jesus that Jesus wants to impress on the church in Laodicea is Jesus is the faithful witness to God. And the problem with the church in Laodicea, as Jesus says, that they were neither hot nor cold. The problem was that they were lukewarm. And this was very relatable for the church in Laodicea. Laodicea, their water supply was provided to the city from a distant source through long pipes. Um, It's interesting because I just met someone new who's building long pipes as part of the West Connects. So imagine to get water, water had to come through the West Connects through these long pipes. But as you can imagine, by the time that water comes to your home, it's neither hot nor cold. And so it's lukewarm and barely drinkable. And so just as the people in Laodicea spat out lukewarm water, well, Jesus spits out lukewarm Christians. And if the church in Sardis was living off the fumes of former faith and the church in Philadelphia was close to flaking out, then the church in Laodicea was filled with fakers. Fakers. People who looked on the outside like they were doing the Christian thing, but inside they had no real zeal for Jesus. They were lukewarm. And just to further realize and feel how disgusting lukewarm is, take to heart this truth. Our lukewarmness trips the gag reflexes of the almighty Jesus. If you've ever been sick, if you've ever been pregnant, and there's a certain smell that makes you want to gag and feel horrible, that is how Jesus reacts when we are lukewarm. We trip his gag reflexes, and so it's gross. And so we show up to Jesus on Sunday, oh God, Jesus, you are amazing. Then Monday we are just as sinful Bitter, angry, deceitful, stubborn, and proud as we were, God gags. That's gross to God. He can't stomach that. Not only is it gross to God, 
it compromises our witness. The church in Laodicea were lukewarm, and because of that, they were unfaithful witness to the gospel. And how they became lukewarm is their complacency, self-satisfaction, self-reliance, because they made a lot of money. And they were rich, they were very, very well supplied in everything, and this made them lukewarm. And so the solution to not being fake is not actually being authentic with your sins and struggles. The solution is not merely being open to God and open to others about who you are, where you're at, what you're sinning and your struggles, and then go, God, you deal with that, please. Jesus actually offers us a different solution, and we read that in verse 19. Read with me. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. See, Jesus' solution is not being authentic with your sins. Jesus' solution is being authentic with your repentance. It's not enough to say, look, I struggle with sin or I struggle with this current circumstance. We also need to let Jesus rebuke and discipline our sin and to actively turn away from our sin. And in those verses, Jesus actually gives us this very vivid picture of what true and authentic repentance looks like. It's a picture that we would probably never have guessed, and it's a picture of Jesus knocking, knocking on your life, knocking and asking, can I come in? I want to come into the house of your life. Jesus says, who's going to let me in? And some of you have been hearing the knock for years. But Jesus patiently, lovingly keeps on knocking. Jesus says, look, it's okay. I'll wait. I love you. Even though you're a hypocrite, I love you. Even though you're lukewarm, I love you. See, true repentance is letting Jesus move into the home of your life. And when Jesus moves in, he gets the master bedroom. When Jesus moves in, his name is on the contract of your house as an owner. And when Jesus moves in, he's the master architect, he's the master designer, and he's going to redesign and renovate the home of your life. Jesus is in charge. That's the picture that Jesus gives to us of what true repentance looks like. It's Jesus knocking at the door and letting him in to take over your life. And he will remodel your whole life. Friends, that is authentic Christianity. That is Christian authenticity. And if you repent and you let him into the home of your life, he gives you this wonderful promise. Verse 21, 
To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Jesus promises victory of fellowshipping with the King, fellowshipping with God for all eternity, to sit, to feast with Jesus with a glorious banquet in his home in all of its glorious riches. And so the vision board to the church in Laodicea to motivate them to repent of their complacency is the vision of Jesus as the true and faithful witness. Laodicea are to let Jesus as the faithful witness now and the future victory of sitting and eating with God in his throne room be the motivation for them to be a faithful witness. Friends, do you see that we do not conquer in this world through falling into seduction or falling out by persecution? We do not conquer through the fumes of our former faith, nor by fake, flaking out, nor by faking Christianity. We conquer through faithfulness to Jesus. So the question for you and I today is the same question as last Sunday. Where are you at with faithfulness to Jesus? Where are you unfaithful to Jesus? Ask yourselves, am I like the church in Sardis? And am I just living off the fumes of my former faith? Or are you like the church in Philadelphia? Do you feel like you are close to the edge of flaking out? Or do you feel like the church in Laodicea? Have you been faking it, but you're not really making it? Jesus' invitation to you is to come and to repent, to turn back to him and be empowered to change with a vision of who he is and the promise of victory that he graciously gives. Those who have ears, let them hear what the Spirit says today and respond by repenting. Turn around and come to Jesus and see him afresh of a vision of who he is and receive the promise of victory that he graciously gives. Please join me in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that by your Spirit, you reveal the truths of our hearts. And so as those who have ears, we pray that we would hear, that we would repent, that we would not rely on our former faith, look back to our glorious days, but we will look to the glory of your Son. Father, we pray that you would strengthen us. Although we feel really weak and tired right now, we know that you help us to be a pillar of your temple. And so, Father, we're so convicted with our lukewarmness. Help that image of you gagging. Help us to be revolted of our sinfulness and our complacency. Help us to be awakened that we would be alive 
that we would have a newfound zeal to know that our names are written in the book of life, to know that we get to fellowship with you in the throne room of heaven. May that be our vision each day. May that empower us each day. May we look to you each day to remain faithful. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.